0: Welcome to the taking the lead podcast where we empower people to be unstoppable. I'm Christina Hapner with my co host Leslie Hoskins and Timothy Cunio, And today we're going to do a little bit of a shorter episode. And Leslie and I actually were going to a coffee shop earlier today and we were, Timothy, we were like crossing the streets in um, Birmingham is where we're at Birmingham, Michigan, and we were talking about the crosswalk. So it's funny because in Rochester, where Leader Dog is based, when you press the button, it talks to you. And I was joking around with Leslie, and I was like, oh, press the button. I want to hear it count down. And it didn't. I was like, oh, it's not counting down. Why not? So, <laughs> you know, you get used to, I wish... like, certain crosswalks.
1: I wish they all counted down, right, right Timothy? Eh, well, mine don't count down. Uh, I, I myself, my little town didn't have the audible crosswalks. So I, for myself, I become my own advocate. So I called my local Georgia DOT, and I requested for at least five intersections of my town to get those crosswalks. And today they're installed and they are working. So when I go downtown, I press. I've trained Glacier to go to those poles, and she'll go to them. And I hit the button, and we go out to the curb, and we wait for that you may now cross thing and then I cross and she hears it and she she's ready to go because now she when she hears it she knows to go too so she's waiting for me to give the command but she knows she's getting ready to go and when she hears the you can cross now so it, it and with a cane uh, you go out and you hit that button you go out and find that 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 uh, tactile where the I guess the uh, down ramp goes and you just wait for that signal and you got to set yourself up correctly to cross that street perfectly
2: Yeah, so those are called accessible pedestrian signals, APS, if you will, Um, and they're not everywhere. So not every intersection is going to have a push button, and every push button isn't necessarily going to be audible. It's not necessarily going to talk to you. A lot of times they have what we call the ped head, which is basically the little white walking guy or the red hand, Um, but it doesn't make any sound. So you can imagine if it's not making sound, probably it's not going to be helpful to somebody who's blind or visually impaired, But I think that's awesome, Timothy, that you went and advocated for yourself and said, hey, this is what I need. This would make it a much safer um, environment for me to travel in. I'd be a lot more confident. And that it happens. So, congratulations. I love that.
1: Well, I know there's two or three other people in my little town that are blind. And nobody has done anything for them. So I said, Hey, I'm cause one, two of them go to my doctor. We were talking about it. My doctor was amazed what I was able to do in our little town here. And he was amazed. He sees a mean glacier out there walking and then he goes, you're the one that got the audible walk. So I said, yes, I did. And so he was just fascinated by that. So he's telling his clients about them and he's telling my clients about leader dog. So hopefully they're going to be clients for you guys one day. So we'll see what happens.
0: Timothy, I think that's so amazing, and I think that's amazing for other people to hear that you can advocate for yourself. You can try and make change in your own town. You did it, and I think it's great for other clients or other people who are blind or visually impaired to know that, yeah, you can
2: make a difference. Absolutely. I, You know, we've heard from some other clients who've been working for years to get that technology at intersections, and I do want to be clear, it doesn't mean that you can't still cross an intersection without APS, but it's just kind of that extra confirmation or confidence boost that you're crossing at the appropriate time.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, you still have to use your hearing because you can have a little town like I do and it's really loud. And you may not hear that crosswalk say it's time for you to go. So you still have to go by your cars. You still have to listen because you don't want to become, in my mind, lazy depending on that thing to tell you to go because not every crosswalk is going to have it. So you still need to tune in and go when you, you know you're supposed to go and because uh, you may not hear it for it to give you that alert.
2: Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about intersections, and let's pretend that they don't have an APS system because, again, many of them don't. But it's up to the client, right, to be able to walk up to an intersection and determine how it's controlled. And what I mean by how it's controlled is – is it a stop sign controlled intersection? Is it a light controlled intersection? Is it a two-way? Is it a four-way? Um, what shape of intersection it is? All of this information is really, really important in order to know when the appropriate time to cross is. Um, and so that's one of the skills that we work on during a week of orientation and mobility is being able to answer all those questions, walk up to an intersection and based on the sound, again, because we're not relying on our vision, based on the sound, determine, is this a stop sign controlled intersection or a stop or a stop sign or a light controlled intersection? Because that's gonna determine how we cross.
0: Wow, that is a lot to learn. I can only imagine. And nowadays, I feel like people are getting really um, unique types of sidewalks and crosswalks I mean how how do you help if I can talk how can you help tell the difference between those types of sidewalks you know whether it's a stone road if they didn't want to do some cool stone or if it's just a normal crosswalk how do you tell the difference
2: Yeah. So tactually with a cane, you're going to be able to feel uh, a lot of times that's actually a nice feature. So a lot of like cute downtown areas, their crosswalks will actually be like that stone or brick. And that can be really helpful when traveling with a cane, because you know that if you're on the stone or if you're on the brick, then you're still in the crosswalk lines versus if you kind of get off and it feels a little bit smoother, you might be veering either away from traffic or towards traffic. Um, So sometimes those little tactual or texture Uh, information can be really really helpful for crossings but one thing I want to talk about so being able to identify the difference between a light controlled and a stop sign controlled intersection using your hearing um, basically you're listening to the flow of traffic you know if we think about a four-way stop intersection every car that comes to the intersection has to stop before proceeding we're hearing one car go at a time Now, if we compare that to a light-controlled intersection where we're going to hear one street, you know, kind of surging through, going, 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 all of a sudden they're going to stop. Now, the next direction of streets, those maybe east-west streets are going to surge, go, 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 then they're going to stop, and then vice versa, again, the other side. So we're hearing multiple cars going at a time, and depending on whether it's a stop sign-controlled or light-controlled, it's going to base, you know, what technique we use to cross. So, Timothy, you, you learned all those skills in a week of orientation and mobility. Are you still using those skills today with a guide dog?
1: Oh, yes. Uh, like I, I've said in previous uh, podcasts, uh, you're, what, what you take from your uh, learning from your cane skills, you take that to the guide dog because it, they are the, about the same thing. Uh, you're just using a different device to travel. And uh, you learn where your blocker car is, you go when your blocker car goes, and you still listen to uh, uh, the the traffic flow, and uh, you have to know what you are crossing. So nothing changes really with the the, uh, cane or guide dog. Uh, Just a different form of travel.
0: So, Timothy, when you're traveling in different places that, you know, your hometown I'm sure you know very well, but if you take Glacier somewhere else, how do you tell what type of sidewalks there are and how to know if it's, you know, stoplight, crosswalk sort of thing?
1: Well, when I'm not in the, in the, my town, I take my uh, Victor Reader track. That is the greatest tool. I use that all the time. And I if you got it, please use it because it gives you an idea of what's ahead. And uh, then you still got to listen. It's basically the skills that you learn. And what you take in your little town, you go out in, in the United States and use it there, too. It's a little nerve-wracking to be in unfamiliar territory. Trust me, it is. That's why you got to have the best tools, and I take my Victor Reader Trek with me everywhere I go. And it just gives me an idea of what's ahead of me, and I just give the command for Glacier to find the curb. And then when I'm standing there, I listen. You've got to listen.
2: And I think, you know, another good thing to point out is the patience that you have to have. Um, especially if you're in an an unfamiliar environment, you really do have to stand there and take the time to listen to what's going on. Um, Traffic can change depending on the time of day. It can be busier, you know, and traffic intersections, the flow of traffic changes. You know, a lot of intersections these days are what we call actuated, meaning that it's dependent on the flow of traffic of what's going to happen. So if you've ever been at an intersection before and you get that, uh, the left-hand green arrow, for example, but then maybe the next time you don't get it, it's a blinking uh, arrow. That's really dependent on the traffic and how much traffic is there. The light is trying to always kind of move traffic through at a fast pace. So it's really important to know all of the potential options of where traffic can go and when at an intersection. Um, And then also determining, again, the appropriate time to cross or the appropriate method. So patience, patience, patience. Uh, when in doubt, wait it out is a saying that I say yes. all the time yes. <laughs> to clients because we'd rather be sure uh, that we're making the right choice.
1: Don't ever let an, a person in a car tell you to go. You go when you're supposed to go on your time, not somebody honking their horn saying, come on, let's go. No, because you, you're in control, not them. That's- and uh, let them go on. Let that, let that intersection clear out. And then you go, be patient. You're not that, I'd rather be safe and get there than not get there and be in the hospital somewhere. You go when you feel safe.
0: And that is such a great point too, because sometimes when you're at an intersection, there are cars that, you know, you don't. they don't honk. They'll just kind of try and wave you by. And obviously, if you're blind or visually impaired, you can't see that car waving you by. So I think that's also important to remember to be patient because you don't know if there's another car on the other side that could be zooming right through.
2: Yeah and one thing we talk a lot about in O&M is communicating with with cars and traffic while at an intersection so we do that a couple different ways Um, by our cane positioning we communicate to drivers so first of all at an intersection we want to be as visible as possible we want uh, people to know that we're there and we want them to know that we're visually impaired. So we're always positioning our cane towards the intersection or towards our parallel street for most visibility. And then when we decide to cross... Uh, a lot of times we encourage movement, and that can be called flagging in the, the profession, if you will, or there's a step and pause. There's a couple different techniques, but basically what it is is, is moving um, because movement draws the eye in. So, if for whatever reason that driver didn't see you standing there, hopefully now when you start to move, whether you physically move your body forward or you swing your cane, hopefully that movement's going to draw their eye in. And that's our way of communicating to them, hey, I'm going. Now on the opposite side of that, a way we can communicate with drivers to tell them we're not going is to do the opposite. Actually pull the cane up close to our body, maybe even, you know, turn our body away from the intersection. I've told clients to check their fake watch if they have to. Um, Anything they need to do to basically communicate to those drivers, no, I'm not going. Because like you mentioned, people are honking and waving and trying to get you to go and they think they're helping. And, I, and we know that, right? It's, it always comes from a genuine place, but we want our clients and travelers to make the decision on their own of when mm-hmm. they feel comfortable and when the best time to cross is. So communicating through body language on the corners, uh, that maybe, you know, sounds a little silly, but it's a really important part of orientation and mobility.
1: If I'm correct, Leslie, did, did you say, if I'm correct, you take a step and you hesitate for just a second. Yeah. And then you decide to go. You show them that you're moving and you just take that step and just stop for just a sec. I mean, a split second and then you go. Yeah. So that's why that's what she means show them that you're moving. You do that and that's how you do it with a cane.
0: Makes exactly. sense. Now, Timothy, how do you do that with Glacier, because obviously you can't just hold Glacier up to you like you can kind
1: a <laughs> <No, of> cane. <laughs> no, no. When I tell Glacier, go, she digs in and we go. She gets me across that street fast, and, and she really moves quickly during uh, intersection. So she wants to get on the other side, and she finds me that curb, and she shot stops, and she shows me that curb. So she's ready to go.
2: A different thing to think about, too, yeah. is once you're traveling, so we've decided to cross now, right? Now we have to cross straight, which when you're traveling without vision, what is straight, right? Because it's really wherever your nose takes you and the point in <laughs> the direction you're walking. So a guide dog usually is really helpful and takes you curb to curb, as you mentioned, and kind of helps with that tra- straight line travel. When traveling with a cane, that can be really difficult, especially if there's no APS counting down on the other side um, to travel a straight line. So we really focus on, as we're approaching a curb, maintaining our line of travel, Uh, getting aligned, you know, using the traffic on our perpendicular street coming in our left ear, around our nose and out our right ear, and or the parallel traffic coming directly on one side of us. All these different techniques that we're using before we even cross, right? So we're setting ourselves up, we're maintaining our line of travel. And then as we're crossing, we're actually using those parallel street cars, the cars on the side of our body, And we're trying to maintain the same distance away from them. If we start traveling towards them, they're going to get a little bit louder. As we start traveling away from them, they're going to get a little bit quieter. So just, I'm saying all this, not for you to understand, of course, because I know there's a lot that goes into it, but just to understand the work that our clients put in in order to make these safe and independent crossings. Yeah,
0: I know I always say this, but it always blows my mind. It really does because... Even though I work at Leader Dog, I am learning something new every day because I don't work with the clients day in and day out. I'm not a trainer. I'm not an instructor. I work in the marketing department. Um, so learning this for me is so important as well. And like I said, my mind is always blown during this podcast, and I love it. I love learning all of this new stuff.
1: Well, it just shows you how much of an impact that LeaderDog has on everybody. Uh, without the donors and the volunteers, I wouldn't have that in- independent travel skill. And imagine you not to be able to go down your streets, go to your little town, go to your coffee shop, always bound into your home. And without Leader Dog, that's what most people, that's what I'd be doing right now. So thank God that people give their money and their time to Leader Dog so they can give those skills to people
2: thank you timothy that's that's very kind of you to say and and i totally agree right i am so thankful that we work for an organization where we're able to help people and teach these skills, right? These are life-changing skills, um, and so it definitely makes an impact. But I hope today's podcast helped everybody understand a little bit more as to what goes into crossing streets. Again, we don't expect you to understand all the ins and outs of it, but just to give you an idea, there are so so many skills that our clients are working towards using their their hearing and their other remaining senses, and whether it be a mobility tool of a cane or a guide dog, um, there's different strategies for everything, but Again, I am your host, Leslie Hoskins, with hosts Timothy Cunio and Christina Hepner. We hope you enjoyed today's short episode. Please join us next time as we continue to share stories and educate about the world of blindness.
0: Yes, and always as a reminder, if you like today's podcast, make sure to hit subscribe and check us out wherever podcasts stream.